today we have the creator of our logo, which was awesome of her. Uh, she's done an art piece for us. If you watch YouTube or follow our Instagram, you've seen it. Mm-hmm. And she is the owner of JM Artworks Studio. Yeah, JM Artworks. <laughs> that, that's the, the I did studio, yeah. So, yeah, Jess Musgrave, right? Yeah. All right. So, she traveled all the way from Austin, Texas to Boise. And she's doing a couple things while she's in town. Here she is. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Of course. So, what do you think about Boise? I love it. That's uh, It's like strikingly beautiful. It is. It is. We take it for granted, I think, because we're always here. Yeah. And yeah. plus, everyone that comes here always mentions like, how clean the city is. You know, yes. Like, that's where taxes are going. You know, we have, obviously, Idaho has a lottery. Not that every town in Idaho is that clean, but for the most part, they are, you know. Um, you know, we keep the white trash people at bay. <laughs> or we put them in certain parts of town where no one can see them. Those dirty fuckers. Uh, you know. We, yeah. we did have, we had a homeless problem for a few years. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they were gone. Oh, so it's crazy it, about Austin yeah. right now. It wasn't all of a sudden. It was around the skate park. Yeah, yeah. And so like it made, it kind of, I get it. A lot of people empathize with them. And I kind of, I kind of see on both sides too. They basically just under the bridge built a bunch of shit so people couldn't sleep on it. It was like awkwardly shaped concrete and rocks. Yeah, and really. Because there's a there's a, it's a big skate park around here. It's been here forever, and it's under an overpass. And so that's where the homeless people would congregate. It was under there, and it was a weird dynamic because you have a kid skateboarding, and then a bunch of homeless people that are either on drugs or mentally ill or what whatever, yeah. and they would harass people. You'd drive through there, and they'd come up and ask for money and harass and harass. And then, like he said, they started they put like these sharp boulders and shit all where they would hang out and also like a bunch of artwork like abstract mm-hmm. looking artwork that's sculptures and yeah, stuff and stuff you're not going to be laying on yeah. and but they pushed them out but i don't know where they all went like i don't know if they brought a bus in and said here here's a ticket go or what. i don't i don't know i mean i know that texas is trying to do something right now with cleaning cleaning that up but like even my favorite art store like where i get more most of my supplies it's um on airport road and it's just it's literally tent city you Mm. know and i'm fine um as long as you're not coming up behind me Mm -hmm. especially when i have my kids with me yeah yeah um that's happened a few times but you know we used to before covid we used to um collect coats and I do like a care package every Christmas and mm-hmm. like people don't think about it, but like women need lady supplies, Yeah, yeah. you know? So we used to, we used to do that, but now it's, um, it's, it feels different. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't want to say evasive, but it's a lot. Well, I've seen some people that I follow online that live in Austin post about the homeless issues and like how it's getting out of control. Yeah. And I think you get that with the growing city too, unfortunately, because you get people coming that, end up not being able to afford to live there like they might have planned on maybe but yeah it's sad because i I, like i told you when i went to austin that was 2016 i think it wasn't that bad no it really wasn't i i remember thinking wow for such a big city this is a really clean place it reminded me of like a bigger boise yeah and i've heard it's not that way anymore it's not and i don't i think there's a mental health aspect to it yeah um, like resources, it's hard to live in Austin. Like, it's expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, a f- last person who she 
she told me she was homeless. I didn't assume, you know, she was like, I just lost my job because of COVID and okay, mm-hmm. we'll work it out. You know, sometimes it's just like, what can I do? Can I give you a cup of coffee or some food? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I know that there's somewhere near the airport and I haven't looked into it, but it's um, like a tiny home village where people who want to live tiny can have a tiny home there but then part of it is like it's almost like a co-op where if you're homeless they give you shelter but everyone works like in the garden or something Mm, i've I've Um, heard of places like that yeah so i that's like a mystery to me because i haven't researched it but Mm -hmm. it's you know it'd be cool to see that it's sad because i think a lot of it is mental illness and Mm -hmm. unfortunately i don't think you can help some of those people they don't want the help yeah because we have to be willing yeah Yeah. because when you're paying i mean i know every state has this when you're paying taxes like we do like the amount we pay in boise or in the boise area is a lot of it's for that because they help people like Mm -hmm. how many people live here that don't work and that have like four kids or the kids are taken away because the cops, you know, were called in and there was shit all over their house because they were mm-hmm. neglecting their children, right? Yeah. There's still programs for them. What is it called? Section 7, Section 8? Something like that. It's like Section 8. At, section in, 8. Yeah. 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 Low, so, in, low income. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you have those for those people. So, when you see people not taking advantage of that, you know, like, there may be, they may be, they might be mentally ill or feel ashamed, too ashamed to reach out for the help. Yeah. Because it's there for mm-hmm. them, you know. Like, they have their, like, my mother worked for child, uh, health and welfare. And so she was one of the ones, like she had like, two different jobs there. She was really good at her job. One of them was writing checks for the car, for refugees and those people as well. So refugees as well, by the way, were paying for their vehicles they're driving on those vans, wherever they have the four Tauruses, they write the checks for the payments or the vehicle to give it to them and their monthly checks for their stipend. Mm-hmm. I mean, so mm-hmm. the opportunity is there for everybody here. Refugees, uh, you know, people that are homeless. It's just, if they can't reach out, who's their advocate? Who's going to walk down the street and be like, hey, I can get you somewhere right now. Can yeah. you go do it? And maybe they're not accepting of it, you know, because they're too yeah. ashamed. Or... I know there's a, it's like a shelter downtown called the Interfaith Sanctuary. Uh-huh. Yep. And they had a problem with tents. It became like a tent city around that. And it was so bad. I mean, you'd be heading into downtown and that's all you would see on the right hand side was just tents. I'm like, where did it, where do the tents come from? Uh, I don't it's know. It's not REI. <laughs> yeah. And I know that they put like a camping ban here which some people were against and which i kind of get because they're saying no it's inhumane let these people have some shelter but boise does offer a lot of shelter and i i'm not that educated on our homeless situation but i from what i heard they put the camping ban in place because all the tents are gone right now well people see things at face value and they react yeah just like they do in politics especially young people that are ignorant to the under the workings of the economy in the world in general Mm -hmm. it's like no there is things in place for them that's why we pay our taxes educate yourself before you make wild comments about like how you know like oh we're so fat because there was comments when they're doing that like oh the police are so fascist here it's like they're doing what they're told and because there are, there are already programs in place if there wasn't programs in place then they might be more lenient about that but since they're there it's like hey you have these options if you don't want them get the fuck out mm-hmm. okay at the end of the day we can't just nurture everybody you have to have that masculine energy sometimes tell you to fucking do something or get the fuck out. Well, it's okay you to know? have sympathy for those people as well. As, Absolutely. But you also can't have people like doing drugs openly in the streets some, and well, stuff like that. Well, people aren't used to boundaries yeah. with yeah. anything. So Yeah. It's, un- it's an unfortunate situation. But Boise did something to like get rid of the I problem. I mean, I noticed not- it 
Because I'm staying downtown. Yeah. I noticed it the second I was on. Mm-hmm. Was that Capitol? Yeah, yeah, Capitol Boulevard. That's not what South Congress looks like for us, uh, yeah. you know? <laughs> Which is crazy to hear because when I was there, that's where we stayed, right? Off of, it was off South Congress and I don't remember, but it was, a, we got an Airbnb. Yeah. And it was like a loft right there. And it was so clean. It was amazing. I mean, it was like five minutes to walk to the Capitol where we were staying. Yeah. I feel like if they work together and do some stuff, then there's, there's, there's so many programs. Like I know from Fort Worth, I used to work at a program or not work. I volunteer. It was called Hope Farm and it was like inner city work. It's men working with boys Mm. specifically. So it's like, there's, there's so many programs like this, like, okay, you don't have a father figure. Let's find that. You don't have shelter. Let's find a program that works with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like, but oh, yeah. I just know. I just know I don't feel comfortable when I'm like, I'm fine usually when it's myself, but with my kids, cause I have, I'm different. like on a high alert. Cause I've had a few times where they've, someone's come up behind me Yeah, and that's just not. Well, and having your kids with you, it puts, it's like a whole nother level. Yeah, I'm, especially uh, a four-year-old because they can do whatever the yeah. hell they want to do. Yeah, I'm know? the same when I have my Bullet. kids with me. Yeah, it's like no matter how empathetic you can be, it's like when your kids are involved, it's like you got to turn that fight or flight on. Yeah. It's just, it's, you can't, I mean, you can't help it really. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, get the fuck away from me. Create space, create a boundary, and create a distance um, because it's so much different. You know, You don't have that luxury of just being self-absorbed and just being like a free spirit. I'm like, oh, it's cool, man. Yeah, you want some beef jerky? It's like when your kids are involved, it's like, get the fuck away from me. You know, yeah. when I'm by myself, I'll do something, you know? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll fucking kill somebody for my kids. Yeah. And that's not, I'm not exaggerating, you know? Well, it's and, so innate. Like, even positioning, if they're beside me, someone's coming up behind me, I'm going to put myself in between already and start, mm-hmm. you know? Like, there's there's things that I've heard, like having a, a secret word or something within your family mm-hmm. for a dangerous situation. Um, like I wasn't, I don't know. We've talked about it, but just recently it was, um, creating a safety plan with the kids. Like, Hey, if there's a fire, where do you go? Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that a four-year-old and a seven-year-old should definitely know. Yeah. Um, but I think that there's a lot of like, we get narrowed vision. So in a situation like that spooks you, you're like, okay, I'm not as prepared as I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, well, so I guess now, you know, I'm a mom of two. Yes. Yes. Um, It's which for you listening, we, we actually met last night with, with Jess and had a, had some drinks and had a good conversation and we were telling her that she's been like a mystery to us Yeah, (laughs) because we've been just interacting online and you've been fucking amazing to us, whether it's the artwork that's hanging in here or our fucking logo, which is awesome. Thanks. I and, mean, well, the, I mean, like, I this is the thing that we've talked about this on here a few times, but we we keep meeting really good people, and you're one of them. Like, you didn't need to do anything for us. You don't even really know us, but you yeah. did. And I mean, you've told me a few times, like, I believe in you guys and stuff like that. Yeah, and that means a lot. Well, it's because you're cultivating, and I I recognize when someone's cultivating, or when they're sitting stagnant, and um, that's something like with my art page. I, kind of a somewhat of a mystery um but it's because i want the focus to be more on Mm -hmm. my artwork and my process 
and hopefully to inspire someone to be like, okay, what are you good at? You're good at music. Let's let's see you work on that. Mm-hmm. You guys are cultivating the podcast, and I I saw it um, coming together. Like every episode is just fine tuning, and I see that in my own um, artwork. Mm-hmm. So immediately. I'll be the biggest cheerleader for anyone. And some people need that cheerleader. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. That's like a natural. It's motivating for sure. Gift. Like, like just the things you've said to me online, like saying like, I believe in what you guys are doing and all that. It's like, fuck yeah. Like that gives me more fire to just keep going. Yeah. And we've, we've had a few other people like that as well that have been really cool mm-hmm. about yeah, that. But absolutely. But yeah. So I guess let's talk about how you got into art because yeah. your art is amazing and that's the other thing like i think when we first started talking you had said yeah if you go back and look at my earlier stuff it's not as good as it is now yeah and i did go i went on your website and looked and you're right like you just keep getting better and better and better and then your most recent one that thanos you did oh, oh my god like yeah i would i actually want to like a in a sense of play-by-play from why you started your page mm-hmm. and then that shift you made from going into the uh i don't know what you call it i guess the the black backgrounds. Yeah. You made like, it was like a, out of nowhere, it's just like, boom, switched it up. And it immediately caught my eye. Me too. Because I like wearing black clothes, except for today. And I like black things in general. I like black ninjas. So like, as soon as he went to black, I was like, that's the shit I'm into. I was immediately into it. Yeah. You know? So like, yeah, I guess, why'd you start the page? And then what was that transition? So I've, I've always been drawn to art or being creative. My mom's super creative. Um, she doesn't paint or draw or anything like that. She just, you know, like my grandmother was a seamstress like on fifth street. So she's, she, and she used to write. So there's always been something in my family that's like, um, creative and cultivating creativity, but the art for me changed in my maybe early twenties. I did acrylic work there. I won't post any of that. I might, I might just to be yeah, like, this yeah, is what I used to do. Yeah. Um, but really it was just an outlet. And then if you go, what the reason I started my page was cause I wanted to do prints and I was like doing watercolors at the time. And that was kind of like what was trending. But then I, I love that I've left that on there because you can see when I finally found my voice as an artist and it was like, okay, I just found my stride. You know, and um, what I noticed was I was trying to be like everyone else that was growing their Instagram or whatever. And I just wanted to make a little bit of side money for my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was working mainly with watercolors and they're cute, but that's not like that might be fun just to sit and do with the kids now. Mm. Um but this, for me, like all my black and white stuff, it's that is me. That's my voice. Like I, I know without a doubt that's my gift. That's how I see things. But it was like trial by error. And the, the reason it came up is because I do a lot of work for foundations and stuff. I, for like I, I make money, but I don't make money. It's not consistent. When I get a great client, I'm so grateful. Um, but it's not, I don't want to be peddling artwork. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a hobby that when it pays well, I'm grateful for it. But 
I always feel like if that's a gift and I'm, it's my job to fine tune it and then to use it to help better um, someone like the way that my black and white stuff came up was I was uh, working with a group a power athlete. I was working with power athlete. Um, Kate runs Wade's army and um, they needed fun. They needed a fundraiser. So uh, we talked, I was going to paint this angel. I tried to do it in watercolors and it just didn't fit. Um, so I, I was like, well, I'll give acrylics a try again because I hadn't used acrylics in years. Well, I did that. I worked on the face of the angel for like four hours and a total mom moment. Stepped away to fold laundry. It was less than 30 seconds. My two-year-old was with me at the time and then he was gone for like 30 seconds. I'm like, where'd he go? And I walk out and that portrait that I had worked on for four hours just trying to um, shape a face. He had taken black paint and just smeared it across. I mean, perfectly <laughs> smeared it across the face where I couldn't save it. Like there was, I looked at it and it was like clumpy, you know, cause he just, just took like a chunk of paint and all mm. over. Uh, so in like my normal fashion, I just like started crying and I couldn't look at it for a few days and I'm like, okay, how am I going to work with that? And the only way to fix it was to paint the canvas black and then go back, like just restart, but go instead of doing the white on um, or the black on white, flip it and it'd be white on black. Mm. And um, that's what worked. I ended up doing that angel. And that came at a time in my life where it was significant for me. Like it just it, paintings tend to line up with whatever I'm going through. I mean, even like commission pieces. Um, so it's not my idea, but whatever I'm going through, it somehow like gels into that commission piece. So that angel came at a perfect time. And um, then we ended up doing a lion for them. And if you go back, uh, I posted the picture where my son had painted that face because mm. it was like a, a pivotal moment for me um like a beautiful mistake and that's something that I, I still hold on to you know when things are looking really rough and maybe it looks like a pile of shit well it's like it's okay I can mm -hmm. I can work with that because I have that experience kind of in the back of my mind of um maybe it looks like um maybe it looks like pain or maybe it looks like um like a giant mistake but there's purpose in it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think we were saying last night there's purpose in pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or any anything like that. Like that's like a theme of the damn podcast, and we talk about this almost every podcast now. Yeah. But hard times, struggle, all that stuff. Yeah. It's beautiful things can come out of well, that. Yeah. Is your best art going to come from? Like, if you just imagine like a trail, or like a I don't know, four foot wide path, right? If you're walking down it and you're walking everybody else's footprints, is that going to create an artistic view or taking anyone no one's been on yet? You don't know where it's going. You don't know how bad it's going to be, but or, you do it. Good. So that fear that everything you have to overcome on that path is going to make you different. It's going to change your perspective. You know, um, like I know when we write music in our band, 
we write the best music when we're going through shit, mm-hmm. you know, we're like at times we're trying not to just go Kerouac in everyone's ass, you know, like mm-hmm. that's where we write our best music. Mm-hmm. And then those in between spots, where we're not really doing anything different or going through struggle. It's kind of just like, we just like are constantly trying to fine tune certain songs. And it's like, we don't like it. You know, we put a lot of time in this one song and it's just not going anywhere. It's like, let's go uh, starve ourselves and go fucking, you know, do a rock march or something, you know, up some trails or whatever or anything, you know, or go through some emotional stress. But yeah, I don't think you're going to get a lot out of taking the path everyone else has taken. You're just, you know, it's going to be easy. You're not going to get somewhere. You're going to be complacent because you know, it's going to be safe, mm-hmm. but it's the other path the one's been on. That's going to create a different perspective, mm-hmm. you know, um, uniqueness. Yeah. Like, I mean, you look at your art compared to somebody who just does water, which people, there's a lot of people do watercolors and I'm sure they're amazing. But you look at what you're doing now compared to what you were doing before. It is so unique. Yeah. Like your art, it stands out big Thank time. Thank you. And I've, I've, I've shown your art to so many fucking people. <laughs> I really have like people at work or whatever. Really? I'm like, Thank I'm like you. I'll pull you up your Instagram. I'm like, dude, check this stuff out. Cause it's, it's weird. Cause like. Growing up and stuff, I had artists in my family, but I never had an appreciation for art. I really didn't. Mm. And as I've gotten older, I've started to get an appreciation for it. And I think I had told you that. I messaged you. I was like, when you make these posts, like it makes me happy seeing your work. Yeah. And I've just gotten more of an appreciation for it. And I never had that talent like to paint or draw or anything. I can barely draw stick figures, but I really appreciate someone who can. And like my grandmother was a really good painter. And... I never, I kind of took it for granted. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Someone can do that. But there was no appreciation there. Yeah. But as I get older, it's, I have much more of an appreciation for art. Well, and I'm starting to understand my aesthetic and like, okay, if I can add a little bit of color, what does that look like? You mm-hmm. know, because it still needs to look like that's a perfect example. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it needed a little bit of color. Yeah. Uh, but it still looks like my mm-hmm. artwork. And, you know, one of the things, this was random. I found out um, someone got one of my lions tattooed on their arms, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. And then that Deadpool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone is, has, I'm trying to track this person down, but it's, I've heard it from two people now that he was or has um, tattooed that Deadpool. I'm not going to lie. I, him. I really thought about that. <laughs> The painting you did for us, I'm like, that would be an amazing tattoo. Because I've been thinking about getting the other arm done. And I'm like, oh, that'd be kind of cool. I saw a really cool tattoo of him. um, But it was like, it looked like he was coming forward. But the the clock is like part of his face. Mm. So it looks like it's part of the background. And it's just a portrait of him, like Mm -hmm. a profile. So it's sideways. And then it has this clock right here. I'm like, that's amazing. That's an incredible tattoo. Yeah. Well, that painting you did would be no, because we we, awesome we both like Greek stuff. Because we we're gonna be like, oh, since Kevin's letting us do a, a veteran theme thing, it's like it has to be something me and Jake both like. Yeah. We both yeah. Like, we both love Greek shit. Yeah. Like, and, it's all the and like, it's all he ha- he has a Greek god on his upper arm. Yeah. Well, it's actually a cover. It's a good cover up. A really good. Because it was a Taurus like reaching up with a noose around its arm with a skull in its hand. Mm-hmm. Just some epic shit, you know. <laughs> I was like, it's not very, it's, it's kind of weird being in the astrophysics emphasis with an astrology piece on my arm, yeah. you know, like it's kind of weird. So I had it covered up with uh he, he's like, I can make this into like a Zeus or something. It's like, fuck yeah, let's do that. You yeah. know? So like, cause it was like, I like Greek stuff, you know? Um, 
I man, if I ever commission a piece from you, it's going to be oh, well, that's if I don't get it as a tattoo because I'm still like I'm getting older and it's kind of immature if I do it. No, it's I not. still want it no. somewhere. That zombie Pope one. Oh yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking. I know talking about an episode, but it's the zombie. I, I was coming. I was on mid tour leave in Afghanistan, and right, it was like around that time. I think I was actually at Fort Worth and. There was this Time magazine with the Pope on the front of it. And he's like old and dead, you know. And I was like, I want like a zombie Pope with like in one hand he has the world, in the other hand he has his rosary beads hanging down with the cross on it, and like a nun impaled on the cross. <laughs> That'd be such a cool painting. He, he mentioned that where when we were talking about a painting from you. Yeah, and it was like where it's like black and white with just like subtle color, black and white, but just enough color where the color brings out meaning. You know what yeah. I mean? The colors in certain areas where it's like kind of like that. Exactly. There's color where it's, it needs to be to bring something out to, you know, invoke like an emotion or a response. Right. So that, that'd be like my go-to if I don't get that as a tattoo, like, okay, that's yeah. gonna be my cannabis for I, sure. I originally <laughs> told her I wanted a, a Hulk, an incredible Hulk. Uh huh. Cause you post, I think you posted one or something. Yeah, like, no, I had asked questions cause yeah, I yeah. love interacting with people. Yeah. It's like, what do you want to see? Yeah. You know, cause sometimes I, I honestly don't know. I just know I want to paint, but I'm like, what do I want to paint? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, some sometimes I know the feeling before I know the subject. Yep. You know, um, yeah. So uh, in that art journey, uh, COVID's actually been one of the times where I've um, created the most, mm. and it's I've been really fortunate to sign. Uh, I signed with Mercer Street Arts, which they're a gallery in the Hill Country, and they've been incredible partners. But I, I mean. A year ago, I can't imagine that I would be where I'm at right now. Like, I just didn't, um, maybe I didn't think I was good enough Mm. for it. Yeah. I'm starting to kind of find my stride with it. And I love hearing, like, other people's take of what they would do or what they want to see. And often I'll post, like, tell me what you want to see. A lot of the times I'm drawn to things that are really primal. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I love that feeling. Yeah. Um, and most of the time, I find with artists is we're always trying to um, create something that we long for, you know? So uh, for me, like all of my animals, if you look at my animals, there's always really strong eyes and there's like a presence about them. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to fuck you up or I'm mm-hmm. going to eat you. Um, you know, with the Thanos, like, you could tell his feeling. Oh, yeah. Like, that one got me. It was I, huge too. How, what was yeah. the size of that? Uh, it's four feet by three feet. Wow. Yeah, because I, I think you had posted a video or there was like a time lapse or something. I'm like, holy shit! Like seeing you in front of it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like damn. Because I didn't. I've I saw multiple pictures of you doing it throughout, and you can't tell the size obviously. And then when he put you in front of it, I'm like, holy shit! And he yeah, needed to so be cool. big. Yeah. Hell yeah. He needed to be big. Like I'm like I kind of want him to feel like he fills this room, because that's who he was as a character, mm-hmm. and I I love him as a character because you can tell that he had good intentions. Yeah. He just fucked it up. Yeah. You know. He's one of my favorite <laughs> characters in like all of that Marvel universe. He's still pretty human. There's something really human about him. Like when he's sitting down and he's kind of reflecting on Mm -hmm. things, like I'm like, that was brilliant, you know? And in that painting, it's like this grit of, um, achievement. Yeah. And that they got Josh Bridges. I love Josh Bridges or not Josh Bridges. 
What did Josh Bridges is a cro- cross crossfitter? Uh, I met him in person once. Oh really? I was thinking like really little. I was yeah. thinking Jeff, Five, seven. Jeff Bridges, yeah. but no, uh, Josh Brolin. Oh, Josh Brolin to yeah. play uh, Thanos. I love Josh Brolin. Yeah, he's one of my favorite actors. Yeah. I love in Deadpool two, all the little things that Ryan Reynolds puts in there that have to do with Josh Brolin. Oh yeah, like the scene <laughs> where he's like shirt cocking it, and like the that shirt he's wearing is the one that the fat kid is wearing in the Goonies. Mm-hmm. And like, there's lots of references Which to the Goonies and uh, other Josh Bowen things that people like. If you slow it down, you'll notice. It's yeah. really funny. Um, but no, uh, I was this about that the other day because I cannot even draw a stick figure. Like that part of my brain just won't work because I've always loved art. My dad's the same way. He was always fascinated. He when uh, like in the early '70s, he went he took art classes at BSU, and the most art. See, I ever got was with a stencil, like in sniper, you do your your range sketches in sniper school, like drawing trees and buildings. But you had a straight edge, so everything became straight, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's something I've always loved, and I just can't. Just like it's like I'm I'm retarded when it comes to trying to do it because I appreciate it so much. And for me, like in my world, like playing music, like it's seeing great album artwork. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's certain bands where you know they've got it going when you see the album art, and you realize that album. Even if they have like five albums, that one is really good. You know, it's just like it adds to it. Yeah. People, a lot of people just look right over the album artwork. But like, I love it. That's one of my favorite things. Yeah. That's what I miss. I mean, I love Spotify. <laughs> um, I sent, I had sent him a song because it had all this wonderful percussion in. I'm like, it's on Spotify. I don't think he know. <laughs> right? I don't it still think works. He can hear it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. You okay. can. I think on Spotify, if you don't pay, you can listen to like. A certain amount of songs. It's or like something? a teaser. Yeah, uh, yeah. So there was in. one song I was actually going to send you. I forgot the other day when I was showing you the, uh, the picture of my my uh, long gun, with the suppressor on it. A song called "Canvas" by Soen. It's like a Swedish metal band. They're kind of like Tool. Um, oh, the, I have them on my list. Oh, okay, yeah. So the song called "Canvas." I'll sing about you because it's yeah. called "Canvas." Yeah. yeah. But that album art on that album too. It's like that skull with like the gears in it and like the 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 paintbrush and everything. And I was like, Oh man, that's perfect. Mm. That's kind of a cool idea. Cause it's black on white. You know what I, I mean? Love, love that. Yeah. I used to look at, um, albums all the time. It's like wine. I used to buy wine by the label. I do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Actually just last night, he sends me a picture of this wine bottle and it has like a bunch of like uh, day of the dead style skulls and stuff. Uh-huh. And he says, you think Joanna would like this? Which is my wife for you listening. He's like, wait, or is that racist? Because <laughs> my wife is Mexican. Right. And I showed her, I'm like, Kevin wants to know if he's racist. And she's like, yes, tell him he's racist. And she's like, she's like, but by the way, I do like that yeah. wine. Yeah. yeah, but going off the label of wine, I've done that too. Or even oh, beers. Yeah. Like, like Juggernaut, it's actually not that good. It's like twenty to one for a twenty one dollar bottle of wine. I'd buy it for ten bucks. But I buy it because I love the image on Juggernaut. It's just it's awesome. You I know, do that totally. with like like uh, craft beers and stuff. If they have like a cool Logo on the can. I'm like, I'll try it. Yeah. I'm not a big wine drinker. We so. see things by imagery and certain colors and certain palettes. And we, not everybody, but I'd say, I'd say the majority of us. There's well, also people I've met that don't, don't listen to music. And I'm like, yeah. what the fuck is I've wrong I've never with you? understood that. Oh, yeah. I can't. That I spend most of my day listening to music. Me yeah. too. And I don't, I don't have that gene in me, but I have a great appreciation for it. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? And um no, I, I love music. That's one of my... I grew up around it. That was mm-hmm. one of our, like, happy family times. I remember my mom and my dad dancing, you know. Um, 
and men dance, you know, mm-hmm. like, so to watch them, it was always that they always had a connection with salsa and um, they would dance together. And I just remember that was like a good memory. But a lot of it is I started having this love for like percussion and um, because that's really what carries like our style of music. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's one of those things that I appreciate, you know, like that's why I like I try to put a lot of videos to music. So I feel like it just I, enhances I it, you know, um, like it creates a little bit of an experience. So I love when art comes together or when design comes together and kind of like elevates it. Everything elevates. Yeah, You definitely have an, yeah. an ear for music love because it. of your videos. When you do, it seems like the song always fits perfect with whatever you're doing. Yeah. And that's something, like I said, I've never been an artist. I've also never been musically inclined, but I do have an ear for good music. I, I fucking love music. I'm. Like, I will talk about music all day with people. Yeah. And I've noticed with your videos, yeah, it's like that song matches exactly with what you're doing. It's And sometimes it's by accident. Oh, it's again, it gives a feeling to it. Like you were yeah. saying, it, just, it makes you feel. And like I was saying, I didn't have that appreciation for art until I got a little older. And now, like, when I see you post something, it gives me this warm feeling. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Yeah. Well, and it, for me, because a lot of my stuff happens online, I try to um, make a connection. It's very hard to make a connection online because it's everyone's, you know, we only post what we do well, mm-hmm. usually. So there's already a sense of like, um, it's not reality. It's not like you're not really seeing someone struggle. So for me, it's like, how do I make this very... Um, like where you can almost taste it and feel it and where it becomes something that you kind of get pulled into. And for me, that music is the bridge for that. Mm. And often when I work with a client, I'm like, send me some of your songs. Like I'll, I'll paint to them, you know, like send me a playlist. I, I booked a painting that way. I'm like, that was the way that um, that client connected was specifically with music. And I'm like, make a playlist and I'll paint to it. And mm-hmm. I, I booked that commission piece specifically because it was like, I'm going to meet you where you're at. That's what you're, that's what you really are passionate about. And so how do we increase that? Like, how mm-hmm. do we make that more of an experience? Um, yeah, there was a, a canine portrait that I did that, um, I asked the owner, like, send me five of your songs that when you listen to it, like it reminds you of your, reminds you of your, um of your dog and uh he sent me five and for for whatever reason like i skipped over four of the songs didn't even look into them and picked the one that like stood out to me which was a song by thrice it was um in the pines i think it's the name of it i love that song and i like immediately was like that's just a song i'm gonna paint to it and come to find out when he lost his dog when his dog passed um that's a song that he would sit and listen to mm. <laughs> you know so it was like a beautiful um accident yeah but yeah with my art like i've um i started working really early i've worked since i was 15 until i had kids and then um i put myself through a little bit of college so i have one drawing course under my belt but that's it i did have I think I posted a piece of like that little piece of chalk that I still have. Yeah, yeah. 
that chalk is from my college drawing course. It's the only thing that I really have from that course. Um, and that, that was like a moment for me because I was offered a uh, part of a scholarship to go to the Dallas Art Institute, which that was like what I wanted mm. at a high school, like in my senior year. That's what I wanted. And um, my parents at the time, like, there's a lot of grace here when I say this, but they were like, fuck that. You know, <laughs> we're not going. We're, like, they didn't even come to the interview. So I lost that scholarship, lost the, because they had to be there to approve it. And I've taken that moment and it's like, okay, well, I didn't get to do that, but I've been able to to still find a way to make this my voice, you know, and I still carry that piece of chalk with me anytime I start a painting. Mm. I, I guess that's part of the process too. I don't talk about it often. When I start a, a painting, like there's primer that's involved because um, with, especially with wood, that's wood. Mm -hmm. um, it'll soak in the paints differently. So I primer it in black and then I, I'll paint it in black and then I'll go and start drawing everything out in chalk just because I can wipe it off while I'm, while I'm doing that. But like that, I wouldn't have learned that in school. Like, yeah. so it's good that it, there's some good things that came out of, um, just the trial by error, mm -hmm. you know? Um, cause that really is what works for me. Uh, I painted at the art gallery a few weeks ago and, People just stopping and coming and seeing my process and appreciating it. That was huge for me. Yeah. Because um, it's really specific to me. It's not, there's artwork that's out there, but it's not like, I don't know. I just feel like I finally found my voice with it. I, I agree. Like I said, your, your shit is so unique. Yeah. And that's the stuff I like. I don't. Maybe it's like a, a little man complex, but I, because I don't like disingenuous people i talk about it all the time overstate mm -hmm. it and i don't like that crowd of people that are like <sighs> enamored by like oh this is a five hundred thousand dollar piece by so-and-so and it looks like garbage i don't fucking relate to it like i can't relate to your painting and now someone who buys that has no eye for art they're mm -hmm. buying it for status right mm -hmm. i don't appreciate though that those works of art at all whatsoever you know um, I appreciate the person behind it when they're actually doing it for a reason. Like, look at Michelangelo's stuff. Uh, Michelangelo's stuff. Yeah, he was commissioned, but he was gonna do shit like that no matter what. Mm -hmm. He was given free reign and like, here's what you can do. Is you can work with unlimited funds. Go for it, right? And he did great things, but he was gonna do it anyway. It was already inside of him. He wasn't doing it for that purpose. Just like any real artist isn't. You know, I feel. So like kind of like back we were saying earlier, it's like this isn't to make huge profits. I'm gonna do this regardless. So I might as well share it with other people. Yeah. And help me out in my way of life. That way, because if you did it for free, you're just gonna get burnt out. Especially if you're doing too many commissions, I'd imagine. It's like I kinda want me to be a part of this. I mean, I want my you know, if if something like a song or part of a movie or something someone says that you see in public you know, inspires you to do something. It's like, well, I'm going to roll with it anyway. If someone wants to buy this, that's cool, but I'm going to mm. do it for me, you know? Um, sorry, I was long-winded kind of around, but, you know, I'm trying to say, like, I appreciate that. Yeah. Versus the bougie white people who were, like, out at these art galleries buying huge pieces that look like garbage, you know? Well, one of my hardest experiences was just trying to go into a gallery to 
to be like, what do you, how do I start this? Because a lot of the times they won't give you the time. They're like, okay, yeah, you paint. It's like, no, look at my stuff. Mm. Uh, I have a voice. I'm finding this rhythm. And um, I'm not going to say the name of the gallery, but it's one of those where I walked in. It's a $15,000 piece on the wall and I start asking like, how do you do your commissions? It's well, it's 50, 50, but then the artist has to cover some type of framing and this, you know, so you start losing its price at high because they have like one piece on the wall. It's, um, my gallery that I work with is not like that. They are so, they have been giant mentors and, um, but they also see that I work hard. I approach it like I approached my work with Lexus. You know, it's there's a system. And um, for me, it's like I want my clients to really um, to feel a part of it. I want them to connect with it. I, I mean, what's the point of doing that? What's the point of spending time there if it's not um, if they're not going to have that connection? Yeah, they're just taking a piece of you. You know, it's like. Yeah. Plus, it's an honor to be in someone's home. Yeah. And yeah. people take that for granted. I don't. I, I, I really, that's one of my big things. It's like when you're bringing a painting that I, I worked really hard on into your into your home, like for me, it's, it's an honor for it to be there. I feel like homes are sacred. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't, I don't let just whatever come into my house, mm-hmm. um, down to st- stuff like artwork, you know, yeah. and I'm intentional about, um, the artists that I do like, or it's like, if I travel, I want a little piece of art from wherever I travel, mm-hmm. you know, like today on the trails today, I was like, Oh, look, a pine cone. I can paint this with the kids and become <laughs> art. Um, but they're like these tiny little pine cones and you know, so anything can be art. Anything, anything can be, um, in the lens of creativity. It's just, you have to have a, a solid attitude about it. And for me, it was like, okay, once I started finding my voice and like my animals really brought that out. If you look at my animals, you can see like they just get stronger and stronger. And I always start with the eyes because I feel like if I get the eyes right, everything else will come together. Mm-hmm. Um, and the gallery noticed that about me where I couldn't, I couldn't get in anywhere else, but they happen to be the perfect match for me because they've mentored me. It's like, when you sell a painting, this is how we're going to do it. Mm. You know, um, if I commission something from them, uh, you know, I'm honest with them. If I meet a client there and they end up commissioning away from the gallery, it's like, no, you got to go through the gallery. Like we talked there. So my Instagram stuff is separate. And I think I said it last night, the day that Instagram doesn't exist Mm-hmm. in my life anymore i still have my art mm-hmm. the only reason i've kept it up and still keep it going is because it's an experience it gives you a little bit of a break just like a little mental cleanse you know and i get something out of that too mm-hmm. uh, out of creating that experience and um so I've, lately i've been more art focused you know not necessarily like this is what i'm doing today mm-hmm. it's like i'm just letting the art speak for itself cuz that's a season of life that i'm in it feels more genuine to me um but i don't know like this like this trip this was a bucket list thing for me to do mm-hmm. cuz i get to meet paul tomorrow and deliver his painting in person 
And he's been such a great client. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, the client experience was there, which is something I've learned really early on professionally with with Lexus. It's like it's really about that connection because people are going to come back to you if they have a good experience. Even my people that I've given paintings to, I treat them like they're paying me, Mm. you know, give me your sorry give me your music give me what your um send me your photos Mm -hmm. you know when i ask for reference photos i'm like there's not no such thing as too many photos that's exactly what you told me because i appreciate it you know it's like from there i'll pick out like one or two that are similar or that have a certain stance you know Mm -hmm. um or have a certain feeling and then i just start narrowing it down from there especially if i'm doing a commission piece like a lot of the artists um i understand a lot of the artists that are also work with my gallery don't like to do commission pieces because you have to meet someone else's expectation but i feel like i have the tools to do that Mm -hmm. and then it only refines me and it only grows that it only grows that experience for me you know it's like with paul he had great feedback like i've had some that i'm like oh god i feel like i'm writing them too much but i really need direction or if i'm building out someone's gun they know what that looks like Mm -hmm. so i need to understand like this is the model this is what's on there this is why it's meaningful this is how it's used you know or um someone's uh pet for to me that's like a family member Mm -hmm. still needs to look like their pet give me as many reference photos as you want and Mm -hmm. then or what was a memory there and then we just kind of trickle down and work work that way so i do that with like any pieces that have been for a fundraiser or that have been given i it's like how much how many little thoughtful things can i get into that painting Mm -hmm. you know and then for my stuff i really have to reference lighting Mm. yeah yeah i mean i remember you asked me what kind of lighting do you guys have in there yeah and yeah yeah and i almost felt like i wasn't giving you enough because you were asking you'd like send me like a picture of what you had done so far. And I'm like, it looks perfect. Like I, I was so happy with what you were doing, but I felt like I wasn't giving you it like any, cause there was no critique for me. I'm like, God, it's perfect. Yeah. It's well, I beautiful. Mean, but that's still, that's still information, right? It's like, yeah. okay, he feels like I'm going in the right direction. I just hope like there's, I'm sure that it's happened. I'm sure there's people that like, I don't want to say anything. So I'm going to say it looks fine. And then they're not happy with it at the end. Oh, that's my biggest pet peeve. Yeah. I'm, I bet it is. Oh, I'm like, tell me because I want to fix it. Yeah. All right. I want to meet your expectation. I really do mm-hmm. because I get so much joy out of like me- reaching that goal. Mm-hmm. You know, so a good example was Paul. I'm like, walk through this with me. Like where, where, you know, Jill's face. Like, I'm, tell me if I'm missing something because the last thing I want to do is show up here with a painting that's not quite there yet. Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, and I, I do that with all, with all my stuff. And there's some things where I've noticed my, the perspective. I do better when it's like really close up. Mm, okay. You know, um, when there's not like the goat that I was painting shooting the gun. It's like right here because mm-hmm. I want it to be right here. You know, I want it to be really in your face and to where you're like, what is happening there? Um, but the lighting is good. Yeah. So it gives you a little bit of a story, you know. Well, plus, uh, yeah, plus you have that room for detail. If it's too small, things become generic in the background versus the, like I remember looking at it and you have that the, on the action, 
just how abrasive and the sharp edges on there make it look very just, I don't know what we'll say masculine, but the way it's brought out, it's like, okay, that would look like crap if it was too far away because mm-hmm. it would just, yeah, it wouldn't, it would just be generic looking. So I honestly thought that was, that's really cool that it's close up because you get that detail in the small things. You take yeah. for granted looking at the top of the action on a rifle, but you look at it like, God, that's cool. I want to buy that. What is that? You know? De- yeah. Detail yeah. makes yeah. things, like even at like say tattoos, like the detail in a tattoo is what makes it cool or the detail in the nipple on, on my the favorite nipple the, ever the, the also the only nipple i've ever painted for you listening and not watching on video <laughs> the painting she did for us which most of you i think have seen you can see the dude's nipple and just the detail in that alone is amazing and well it's like the i know where the light's coming from it's coming from the side yeah you know yeah. um but that was funny it and and the thing is is i'm i when I'm not a, being a harsh critic of myself, I'm witty and I'm fun mm-hmm. and I want my art to be, yeah, it's really masculine, but but it's fun. Mm-hmm. You know, the experience is, is fun. Your art is like the prime example of what we talk about all the time, how like good things come out of darkness. Like there you have it. It's, yeah. Your background's dark and then you create something so beautiful on top of that dark canvas. That's... That's just awesome. Yeah. So, like, um, my thing is um, you have to have it. Yeah. It has to, like, for, especially with my stuff, it has to be dark, mm-hmm. um, which really works. And my, it was so funny. I was looking at, like, analytics and who's my client? Because I have m- men and women that follow me, and I get feedback from both. But, like, who's really engaged? It's like ninety nine percent men and like one percent <laughs> female. I'm like, okay, but but that's my perspective is just a stronger perspective, mm. and I I feel like it just naturally draws people or men in because it's um, maybe something that you, that uh, like that a guy can be like, oh, I understand that. Mm. You have the same analytics as we do. Well, yeah, but, <laughs> well, obviously, but like <laughs> we we do, we do have some women that listen. But actually, I was just looking at analytics today, and the men are like, it's like well, 90% like women something. that like that like our podcast probably have a strong or independent personality. Like mm-hmm. her and my wife both listen. Right. So, and that kind of relates to your paintings. You're not painting stuff on a white canvas with like a colorful like rose pattern that says like, good to be home, <laughs> like that you see at Target. So girls are going to see this stuff and be like, I don't get it. Like, okay, move the fuck on. Like, go buy that bullshit from Target, you know, wherever else. Like, this is a different purpose. This has meaning. Yeah. And I'm not saying, sorry, that sounds stupid. Like, oh, girls are all stupid. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying on a broad spectrum, they're not going to relate with, you know, some, a lot of the stuff you've done, the military oriented stuff like that. You know, this isn't all colorful roses and, hey, life sucks. So let's just, turn your frown upside down and pretend it doesn't get a painting and put it in a wall that has some roses and it says good to be home live love laugh you know you my mom has that and i'm like <laughs> yeah. take that fucking thing yeah. down mom like <laughs> yeah like you have people that follow you you know i get you know that have had a lot of struggle that's why they have a lot of vets that follow you mm-hmm. or have the commission pieces from you or like paul who's a cop for a long time like these aren't just like you know you're one of the mill like like soft people. They've been through some shit mm-hmm. and yeah. that's why they are the they are and they respect that design and what you do. 
So in there, that's what I'm saying is I guess it's a long winded compliment of people that like your stuff are people that have seen some shit and have come through that and adapted through that and they respect it. These aren't just like 19 year old girls walking off the street or guys walking off the street, you know, buying art. It just has no meaning to it. Yeah. So, you know, plus I've like one of my dad's friends wrote me, uh, his best friend wrote me and she's like, you've been dealt so many bad cards, but it, if I have that attitude, this is what's changed the season. If I approach it, like I am a fucking victim, it never is going to get better. Mm -mm. And one of the reasons that I do art, the, the art style that I do and why I'm drawn to like military and stuff, there is a connection there. I miss my dad. So I, I sometimes am like, what would he think would be cool? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, and then as far, like, I think with artists, we're always looking for, like, how do we express love, you know? And sometimes mine is, like, really in your face, like, mm -hmm. um, but there's still, there's still something tangible there. And, like, I met a, I'm, hopefully he'll be a client, but I met someone um, who was former, I think he was a former Marine at the art gallery, and... Um, He's like, your, your stuff that you do. And I'm like, I know. It's because there's not a voice mm. out there. So it, and, and it fits me. So who gives a shit if I'm painting a gun? I'm going to make it how I want to see it, you know, and, yeah. and give that meaning so that person can have that connection. Because there's a, I, I always say bridge the gap, which um, I, I say that with a lot of stuff. But there is a gap there in between it's like why aren't we more i don't know there's like a social thing right now with men being too masculine which i'm mm -hmm. like no yeah no we i the world needs men to be men yes it, it does and there, i think there's a place for for men that aren't very masculine as well there is a place for them in the world well, but the, I, yeah it's it's lost. it's i don't think it's lost but I think that there's this group of people that thinks it needs to be lost. What's and because they don't because they don't understand. Just like a lot of men don't understand what it's to be a woman, where women are expected to be. And this is what I just posted yesterday. Everything at once. Like a woman has mm -hmm. to be strong and nurturing and masculine when the man is in there, and the man just has to make sure he goes to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like so, men are having a hard time. Like I have to do all that too. Well, women have been doing it for a long fucking time. So get your shit together get off the booze and help your fucking family out. Mm -hmm. And there's no, and cause we've talked about numerous times, like the history of since, you know, uh, civil war, then into, uh, the industrial age and into the times of prohibition, world war one, world war two. So guys drink their feelings down and then their kids, they busted their asses at the same time and they were working. So the kids had a lot mm -hmm. in the fifties and sixties and they just thought, Oh, that's how dad asked. He's disconnected with the family he drinks a lot. He beats us when we do anything out of line. So then you have a bunch of men raised that way, but they didn't live that life he had to in the wars. Mm -hmm. Right. And so now these kids growing up today, shit's easy. If you don't think it's easy, well, do you have a fucking Netflix account? If you can spend $10 a month on yeah. that, it's easy. Right. But they're like, Oh, so masculinity is being emotionally cut off. No, it's not. Masculinity is, Actually, a photo I just saw. There's an Instagram page called Photographing War. It's a very well done page. Um, and one they posted, I think, two days ago was a guy in World War II and on the island, fighting the islands, is a Marine pulling this baby that must have been a couple months old out of debris from this firefighter bombing. 
and it's barely alive. He's carrying it. And he's like, okay, he's a masculine as it gets. He probably just shot somebody in the face and he values saving this life. Mm-hmm. Right? It's the tough and tender yeah. aspect. And I have a lot of that in me. Oh, yeah. Well, it, it, it felt it, like I was eating it, it earlier. It moved. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, I can still hear you, but. Okay, cool. So, um, the tough and tender thing, there's something really uh, strong there. And there's something that I, I always look for, you know? And I, I don't know. I don't know how much of that was because I, I was not raised in a tender home. It was tough. It was, there was a lot of struggle. Um, but when I see that in a man, I mean, I see it in women. I see it in myself. There's certain things that I've had, like those moments where I can go back to and be like, wow, I really did that shit. Like Mm -hmm. I I did that. Um, but when it's shamed, I have a problem with it because I'm like, there's nothing wrong with it. I I embrace it more. Mm -hmm. I think. I have a joke that it's like I probably should have been a man because I have a different personality as far as I'm really drawn to masculine stuff. Oh, I don't want to interrupt you, but I was going to say, because as much as we've talked, I've like I've told my wife, I'm like, it's like talking to one of the dudes because yeah. like, you'll call me bro and stuff <laughs> like that, which you are very similar to my wife. She is just like that. I yeah. think that's why we've hit it off the way we have because you guys are very similar. And me and her have hit it yeah, off. Yes, you have, which I was so glad. Because yeah. my wife doesn't get along with many women, as you might understand. But you guys are pretty similar. I could see that being your case as well. I don't know if it is, but I could see that. And a lot of women are intimidated by her. And it's the weirdest damn thing. Like, she'll make some friends. But if something goes wrong anywhere, like, even if it's like, say, I have a friend and they have a wife and her and my, my wife get along. If something goes wrong somewhere with my friend and their significant other, their wife will block my wife on everything and all this. And it's like, what the hell did she do? Yeah. And she's thinking, what did I do? But I don't have that in me. It's well, and it's it's weird because like I don't know. I kind of went on a tangent here, but the way you interact, like with me, and it's very similar to her. But I I respect that because yeah. it's. I don't know. I'm trying to get. There's not too much of a facade, you know. Like I, I feel like that's really how I talk. That's Mm -hmm. how I grew up. You know, I tend to be loose mouthed, which rubs some people wrong. And I, I, it's not that I mean to, Mm -hmm. but it's It's just who you are. It's just more genuine. Yeah. You know, I, I, I feel so constricted. Like we were talking, my customer service voice is so much different. Yeah. Than my actual voice. Like even the octave goes higher because I feel like. People are like, why is she so bitchy? But it's not that I am. <laughs> yeah. It's just that I, I don't I don't know the the frill of things. There's like I don't I don't like the prettiness of stuff. Mm-hmm. I like grit. Yeah. Um, I'm drawn to a lot of stuff that's like rough. Me too. Yeah. Me yeah, too. And the best customer service I've ever had from women, whether it's like you know returning items or it's at a store in person, were the ones who were just had a genuine conversation back and forth and the ones are always like like the high super high inflection like trying to be as professional as i can Mm -hmm. do the worst job of doing their job yeah it's like you don't need to put that facade on i just want to see that you or can be a competent person you know or be you know respectful whatever you know like i'm an asshole but i come off as an asshole Mm -hmm. or intense but everybody knows like i would never fuck anybody over do anything negative towards somebody Mm -hmm. you know unless they had it coming right yeah um but 
And so that's something a lot of people don't get at face value. You well, know? me and you have had this conversation. I've, I've told you, like, you're a genuinely good person. And you, you do have a rough exterior, especially to people that you don't know. But it's also because you're, like, a in-shape dude with tattoos and all that good stuff. But you're a genuinely nice basically person. basically wearing a pink shirt. But I think anybody who's is been... Is it pink or salmon? I'm colorblind. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't... Yeah. The front, front door in his house is salmon. It is. <laughs> but no, like, I think anybody who's been listening to us long enough know like kind of what we're both about and they know yeah. that you're a good dude even if you say some shit that might piss somebody off sometimes it's like quit listening yeah. i mean everyone's gonna you. say something at some point that's yeah. gonna piss right sometimes off. when you say that something gets opinionated it's because of experience mm-hmm. you know you yeah. those the neuroplasticis what is that those connections in your brain through new experience which everyone should do it keeps you younger you know if you work at the same job at Burger King for 20 years and don't travel or meet new people, you're probably going to age really fast, you know? So by doing those experiences, it also makes you a little more opinionated sometimes. Yeah. Cause you see things other people don't see, you know, like you have a whole different perspective, you know, someone that's never left fucking Kansas is going to see something shit different than we see it growing mm-hmm. up around mountains. You know well, what I mean? This is the same shit. We, we were actually talking about a couple episodes with, I think with Butch and when you grow up in a place like Boise, there was always such a small place and it's not like that anymore but because we still live here we still look at it as a small town yeah Yeah. and it's like weird like you think of somebody who lives in say la for instance you're gonna piss somebody off one day but you may probably never see them again because there's so many fucking people growing up here it was like you piss somebody off you're gonna see them again tomorrow and they're still gonna be mad at you and they're gonna egg your bike dude (laughs) yeah and doing this podcast like in the beginning i worried a lot about what we were saying on here because I'm like, fuck, if someone hears it and then they're not going to like me. Oh, no. Yeah, I didn't because it's like you can't sell someone a piece of shit car <clears throat> and then turn it but tell them it's fucking, it's a Rolls Royce. Yeah. So it's like you're, you got to see what you're going to get right off the yeah. bat. Well, and I think you know, I've gotten better. We both gotten better at, at not giving a fuck what people think listening to this because it's like just be ourselves and the people that want to listen are going to listen. Yeah. And it's going to attract the people we want it to well, attract. Plus, we like. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts because if I do, I'm doing physics homework. I, I can't fucking do it. Yeah. I'm not yeah. a kinesiology major. I can't just like blow, you know, half ass shit. But the people I do listen to, they're like minded, mm-hmm. you know, like if it's Andy's tough, Mike Glover, Joe Rogan, people like that. They're open minded people, but they're passionate and intense about views that they have mm-hmm. towards good versus bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and, and there's I, something there with being unapologetic mm-hmm. with yep. your, you know, with your point of view, mm-hmm. Yeah, which I'm learning. I'm learning that much later in life. It's like, don't apologize for being fucking human. Yeah. You know, like just keep trying to do better. Mm-hmm. Okay. You made a mistake. What is that going to look like I in agree. a year from now? Is that mistake going to matter or is it going to shape me and do something that, um, maybe I wouldn't have mm-hmm. done? Yeah. So perspective that's a i don't know for me it's like the the art it's going to speak for itself the experience is there it's just do you want to be a part of it or not yeah Mm -hmm. and offering that and you can't force anybody and you can't carve a spilt milk you know someone doesn't like you for your art or your views that's cool because there's plenty of enlightened people out there that do Mm -hmm. so don't get hung up and ruminate on people that see things different. Yeah. Well, that's you know? like, I was just talking about caring what people thought about this in the beginning. It's like, actually there's a lot of people that don't care what we say that enjoy us. And it's like, I'm going to roll with those people. 
and including like my own parents who have never listened to this that I know of, thank God. Yeah. Like I don't want them listening to this. No. And actually yesterday, Mother's Day was yesterday. I went over to my folks' house and my dad starts asking me, so how do I listen? I'm like, uh, and I'm What's like, the YouTubes? Well, and I told him, I told him, I'm like, you have to have like a podcast app. And he's like, oh shit, I don't even know how to do that, which he just got like a smartphone a year ago, I think. Well, but it's like, I, I don't want people really close to me to listen to this. I mean, the closest person in my world, my wife listens. And at first I'm like, I don't want you listening. Like, what if I say something stupid, but she's used to me saying stupid stuff. So, and now she listens to every episode, yeah. which is still kind of weird to me that she's listening. The big thing is, like, I don't want my kids listening yet. I want them to go back to this later in life and listen. Well, you're leaving. You're going to leave, like, good memories. Yeah, and I mean, we've talked about this. We have now already hours and hours of us just talking. Mm-hmm. And our kids one day can go back and hear that. My yeah. older son, I think, has been listening, and he says he's not. Yeah. And they're going to but... be like, man, people used to use gas around lawnmowers. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, you hear that in the background, probably. <laughs> but, no, like, it's, it's a weird thing because... There is shit I say on here. It's like, I don't want my kids to hear that at the age they're at. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think my 13-year-old has been listening. My mom was like, send me your podcast, mommy. And I'm like, no. <laughs> Not today, game game. No. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, it is weird, like, knowing that there's people out there that, that know you. And they're listening. Like, you're on here now. They're going to go and listen to this because you were on here. And then you're going to be thinking about, like, oh, shit, did I say anything about them or whatever. And it's Or just because we say dumb stuff. <clears throat> Is that going to affiliate you in a bad way? You know, yeah. like someone you want on here, and then they're like, "Well, those guys are jackasses," and she seems to like them. So, I'm like, yeah. yeah, I don't. It's it goes back to like not caring what people think. And there's a lot of people in my life that, whether it's at work or whatever, that have ended up listening to this all the time, mm-hmm. and they give me compliments on all all the time. That's nice. So well, the people that the people that are going to be in your life is because they appreciate it, mm-hmm. or they appreciate that you're trying. Yeah, you know. Um, and then you don't have to hold space for anyone that doesn't. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not a fake person, anyways. Like I'm just myself. I, I will like last night at dinner. I probably cut you off eight hundred times. When you're I, talking. I I think we do that to each other. And <laughs> I have done I've done that my whole life, and I, I'm trying to get better about it, especially on here. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to sit back and like let the guests talk because I get this mode in my brain where I'm like. Okay, I, I think of something to say, and I'm like, I gotta say it, or I'm gonna forget. It, I'm gonna forget. That's a really nice watch. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I've been like that my whole life, and I, I think I've gotten a little better at it during the podcast, like not cutting people off. But last night at dinner, like actually, we were talking about that before you got here today. Kevin's like, "Oh yeah, you just cut her off like you did last." I'm like, "Oh fuck, I did. I didn't even notice it. Son of a bitch." <laughs> and Joanna's like, "Oh, that's him, you know." And it is me. But like, I'm not a fake person. So people that know me in my real life, if they go listen to this, it's, there's no difference. Yeah, that's just who I am. But see, I don't have anybody that actually listens. Oh, Joey. Uh, Joey. We, we have. I give credit. To there's Joey. people we both know that I know listen to this. Really? Oh yeah. yeah. I, my wife didn't. She never supported me. Well, yeah, boo. Um, <laughs> um, but like, no, I would try to get some friends. Like, hey, check it out. Um, they never do. But when it comes to family, I'm. It's weird because we don't. Not really as self conscious, but when it comes to family, I am. Like, I don't want my parents listening or anybody who's a family member. Yeah, same. And I told my cousin about it a few weeks ago. He goes, I don't even know you had a podcast. I was like, I was keeping it that way. Dude, it was weird to me. We have. <laughs> and then I think he did listen. The neighbor on that side, one day I was out here, I had both the doors open on this and I was yeah. cleaning it. He's like, Oh, what's that? And I had told him about I was starting a podcast. And I don't know my neighbor that well. Really nice guy. And I was like, Oh, that's our studio. He's like, Oh, man, that looks really good. And I'll check it out. I'm like, oh, I don't. Which I don't ever talk about my neighbor, but it's like, I don't know if I want my next door neighbor listening to me because we, we get kind of personal on here sometimes. But 
It's also, we do want more people to listen. So It's good. Maybe my next, next door neighbor will listen. Yeah. If I talk so much shit about him watering on the wrong days. <laughs> You're not supposed to water on Sunday, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> you motherfucker. Oh, I wish your other fucking neighbor would listen. Rob. I want, oh, to, yeah. I want to come on. There's. Do you know who Rob Oberst is? Mm-mm. He's a, one of the strong, strong men dudes. He's from Texas, yeah. No, but he's one of the world's strongest men, guys. Well, he bought a house in the neighborhood. And the guy is a fucking giant. I don't even know if he'd fit in here. But he's huge, and I keep telling Kevin, like, go tell, go be friends with him. I want him to come on. I know. Because he, he he runs in the same circles as all these military guys. Like, yeah. He's been, he was actually just at that Black Rifle thing the, they did, like the veteran shoot thing they did. Oh, that, they had a fundraiser, yeah. didn't they? Yeah, they do a lot for, for, yeah. for everybody. But, yeah, he was at that thing. But he's, actually, I found out, first found out about him because he was with uh, uh, Wes Whitlock. Do you know who Wes Whitlock is? No. He's in Austin, too. I mean, I recognize that Rogue name. American Apparel? I am the worst with names. But you show me his face, and I'm like, I, I've noticed, I know that person. Well, I've noticed you're, <laughs> you're kind of involved in the veteran world, so I thought you might know, because he has, owns Rogue American Apparel. Right no, there I might, and then just don't know his name. No, oh, anyways. Which I'm terrible about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Terrible. I'm, it's weird. I look, I look someone straight in the eyes, shake their hand for him, and I'm like, hi, I'm Kevin, and you are, you know, mm-hmm. Jessica. And then two days later, I'm like, What's up, dude? Yeah, that gets worse as I get older. I think you have like a certain amount of space in your brain that you can remember people's names. Because I I used to be the guy who like I'd meet you one time, I will remember your name, I remember details you told me. Oh, I'll remember details. I won't remember your name. All that's gone away for me, and it's like I'll meet somebody who I've met, and I'm like, oh shit, like I know I know them, but I can't remember their name. There's something with having kids. It's (sighs) like sleep deprivation. It's losing. It's something. Blast injuries, you know, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but yeah, as far as people listening, it's good. It's your creative outlet. It's it's okay to for people to listen. I think. Yeah, it it was weird at first, but I'm I'm used to it now. I think, like I I was telling you guys last night about going somewhere and having people come up to me and tell me they listen that I didn't know these people. And at first, I was like, "Whoa, this is kind of surreal." But it's cool because that's what we're trying to do. We want people to fucking listen to this. Oh, man, you know? I was like your champion on that plane because <clears throat> flying right now is so weird. No one talks. Mm. And like the first flight out, I was sitting next to two women. Didn't say a word to me. The second flight, it, I was sitting in between two. Of course, I get put in the middle, which I hate. <laughs> but um, I looked at them and me being really sarcastic. I was like, you just won the middle seat lottery, my friend, because I weigh 100 pounds. I'm not going to take up any of your space. <laughs> and then we ended up talking about the podcast and art and all that stuff. Awesome. And I feel like it's it's good. Um, it's good when creatives come together mm-hmm. and really start doing, they're bringing change or awareness or just having a conversation. You know, most of the time, like I, I think I say it on my Instagram, that tends to be like the one outlet that I get most interaction with. But I'm like, talk to me, mm-hmm. tell me your perspective. You know, like I want to hear your experience. I, I'm like fascinated with podcasts. I love listening to people. Me too. Um, and I have a deep respect for, uh, for people's um, vision. Mm-hmm. You know, and experience because. I know what I've experienced and that's made a difference for me. And, um, and one of those things is like, how can I use that as a tool to keep growing? Yeah. Not just for myself, but to, for my kids to see that. Mm-hmm. And then for, for them to like cling on to that one day, Yeah. you know, like every now and then I'll have them sit down and draw with me 
or like if I'm sketching something out, I'm like, okay, I'm going to hold the ruler and you're going to do this because it's part of my legacy that I'm going to leave behind. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that both of them are kind of artistic and creative and so you'll have this to pass down. Yeah. And we've, we've talked about that a lot of times because I wish my dad would have sat down and talked on a microphone for hours so I could go. I would do anything for that. Oh, it'd be amazing. And Actually, you know, it's funny. Before you guys got here today, I came out here to start setting stuff up. And my little guy comes out here with me. And I'm trying to get the camera and all that set up. And he sits in that chair right there and he grabs the mic. He's like, all right, episode 100. <laughs> we have an artist coming on today. Because he had asked me who was coming over. And I'm like, that's hilarious. <laughs> it's really sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I um, I try to include my kids mm-hmm. often. I don't really like post them too much. I respect that though. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I don't know. With the internet, kids are abused often. Yeah. On the internet, or they're used like as a like. Oh, this is my life. Yes. I yes. Hate or you that. have you have these kids who have millions of followers on YouTube, and their you parents are raking oh. in the money. <laughs> That's why we have private. Ryan's accounts. World yeah. on YouTube. Oh, uh, so my oh. my son that was sitting in there today, when he's yeah. obsessed. He has shirts. He has everything yeah. of Ryan, and I feel bad for that little kid because he's going to be fucked yeah. up when he gets older. Like he's... I've said this before, I appreciate that we live in America. Like, you know, if we were in a real war, yeah, I'd fight for it again, you know, if it was a real war. But this is ridiculous that people can make a living, an exceptional living off of this. There's no substance. You don't have to be good at anything. Um. I don't know. I don't see, I don't know. Maybe I'm just stuck in this old fashioned world of like, you know, character and morals and hard work and yeah. busting your ass to do something. Not, not just being a lazy piece of shit and editing mm-hmm. fucking YouTube videos and making millions of dollars it, off of it. It's ridiculous. And like you said, cool that we live in a place you can do that. Yeah, exactly. It's a but dichotomy for sure. I, I, and you know, adults, whatever, but I feel bad for these children who have become like famous yeah. on YouTube and you look at child stars from the past, they always, get fucked up and that little kid who's what probably seven years old or whatever has millions of kids around the world that know who he is my own son it's like, i want to go play with him it's like it's not how things work man. ryan's a little yeah. dick don't play with him <laughs> he might be he might be a nice young man no but uh i don't know it's it like you said with the kids thing like i don't post anything about my kids on the podcast instagram right. at all yeah. we talk about them on here occasionally but like i rarely say the names of my kids on here because i think of that i don't want people in my personal life my personal instagram page that's all it is is my kids yeah but that shit's private and you gotta yeah, be my, you gotta be like a legit friend of mine to follow me and i'll probably never take it off private and we do we have had people kevin and i both since we started this trying to follow our personal pages people we don't know and it's like sorry but i don't know you i don't want you yeah. all up in my person you get enough yeah. of my personal life on here you know what i mean i get so it instagram is like one of those things that i'm like i don't know yeah. You know, uh, I'll I'll have to go and like sometimes I'll clean up who follows me because I'm like, who are you? Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't want you to see too much, even though I know I'm putting it out there. Ugh. It's it's a fine line. It's and, weird. Damn it's, it, right? Yeah, because you do want more. You people have to, to have the interaction. Yeah. But as far as the kids, I don't bring them <clears> on there because I don't want someone to know like my kids' names yeah. and be able to come up to them. Same. And but they are a giant part of my life, or mm-hmm. why I tick, or why I do the the things that yeah. I do, you know. Um, well, my kids are everything. I mean, that's yeah. 
but I'm so straightforward with my kids. The way I talk to y'all is the way I don't baby talk. You yeah. know, I'm like, what the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> yeah. You know, um, so because I want them to know who I really am. Yeah. You know, I agree. And that's that I didn't get that with my parents until much later. Mm-hmm. And that's something I noticed that I wanted to be yeah. really early on as a parent is like, I didn't get to know my dad until the last few years of his life. Mm-hmm. Like we were like oil and water until I, my late twenties. And, you know, um, like really when I became a mom, I saw him differently. I was like, fuck, you did the best that mm-hmm. you could. Yeah, you like, gain a whole new respect for what your parents... Yes, you know, yeah. and there's a lot of um, amends there that happen without him ever having to apologize. Mm-hmm. Like, it just naturally was like, I forgive him for that stuff. Like, yeah. he did the best that he knew how. And, like, now, for me, I get to enjoy my mom mm-hmm. in a different way. We have a different relationship. But the relationship with my dad, what changed was he just started respecting me as an adult. Mm-hmm. And I don't think a lot of us, at, like when I say us, this kind of age group, mm-hmm. as some parents really struggle with that, with yeah. seeing um, their kids as an adult, as a spouse, as a parent, mm-hmm. you know. And I was really fortunate to have that with my dad before he passed, which is actually part of the reason why I started painting again. Really? Yeah. I had, like, my grief needed a place to go. Yeah, well, you've told me, like, that's kind of therapy for you, your it's artwork. big therapy. Because yeah. I'm naturally an anxious person. I'm an overthinker. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I listen to a lot of podcasts, because I would much rather be listening to someone else's voice yeah. other than my own yeah. and driving myself crazy. Um, but, you know, uh, and some of the podcasts that I seek out are, it's just because I didn't get those stories. I miss those stories from my dad. So mm-hmm. now I'm grateful that I have found a place to, like, plug that in. Like right now, while I was traveling, I'm like, okay, I found an old picture of my dad. I would love to paint something for myself, but I don't know enough of his story. Mm-hmm. I have some stories. Yeah. You know, there was an armadillo involved with the sleeping bag, and there was a <laughs> fork through someone's hand and basic. And so, like, I have these, like, stories that he used to say all the time, but I didn't get to know him enough before he mm-hmm. passed and that, that you know... Um, the art and the podcasts and the music and stuff is always is still a way that I can connect with that. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I think that's like a generational thing too. Like the generation before us, they were not open with their children about their lives. It just no. wasn't. I, I like you. I'm I'm pretty open with my kids. They they know everything about me. Like uh, when I was younger, I got in some trouble and I ended up going to jail. And I ended up saying that to my kids. And my wife's like he's gonna go to school and tell people his dad went to jail you know but i'm like you know i want them to know that shit because i want to know my flaws as well as i don't want them to think i'm superman because i'm fucking not yeah and i I, and kevin's the same with his kids he's he talks to them just like he talks to me and i think that's an important quality and i think that's something that wasn't in the generations before us no like my kids my kids see me happy they see me sad Mm -hmm. my big thing is that they don't carry my feelings for me Mm. So I'll tell them like, hey, mom's sad today and I'm going to cry and you don't have to fix it. But I'll take a hug if you want to give mm-hmm. me a hug. Or I'm going to paint because I'm a little anxious, mm-hmm. you know, because um, I have panic. I'll, I'll have like full out panic attacks, which are very um, few. I've been like the last two years, I've really have tried to tackle like, why does that shit happen? You know, and a lot of the times it's like, I'm just thinking so far into the future. Mm. 
And something that makes me really brilliant with my art is I see pictures, vivid pictures mm. in my head. So usually before I start something, I, it's already in there, Yeah, which is a, like a superpower creatively. But it, if that doesn't have a place to go, it really is a thing that hurts me the most. Mm. And that's why you see me always turning out a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't care if I have someone that's going to buy it or not. It needs to come out. Yeah. And I, I at least recognize it now that it's a, a, a useful tool working out. It's a great tool. You know, when I when my dad passed, it was sudden. Um, and then I, Asher was six months and colic, so I wasn't sleeping. And I was like handed this like giant sack of shit you mm-hmm. know it was like figure it out you know figure it out this state without a will and you gotta and for me it's like if i'm if he trusted me with that i need to do it to my fullest extent or uh, the fullest amount that i can yeah, yeah. and um and working through that with like a young baby was terrible mm-hmm. it was terrible doing anything yeah and it like children. literally paused my grief for a year yeah and there's a giant lion painting. The name of it is Judah. If you go back, that was all me grieving my dad mm. when I finally got to grieve because I honored everyone that needed to be honored in that estate. And I was like, fuck, I took care of that. How you wanted me to take care of it, even though you didn't tell me, yeah. you know, and like maybe accidentally didn't give me the tools, but it had to come out. So the two things I started doing was artwork and working out Mm. and it you know it's good to have an outlet yeah and then i jumped into like i'm very open about counseling i've been in counseling for two years Mm. just for myself because i feel like that's that's a tool in my tool belt Mm -hmm. um helps me understand my the way i tick a little bit more and then you know i have a program that i also work aside from that that i have a mentor with Mm -hmm. um and those things it's like it's only bringing me accountability it's only bringing me understanding like i'm not hiding from it i'm not hiding things from myself so it's just another step in like growth Mm. yeah and that's i'm not an anxious person but i do like trip on the future a lot like I'll, i'll be thinking a million steps ahead and i'm like already freaking out about this and it hasn't even came i think they say like that's anxiety is where you think about the future depressions where you think about the past i've heard that before oh, mm-hmm. that's pretty accurate <laughs> that, i mean it makes sense and and like i've never been a depressive person at all like i'm a pretty glass half full type of person i always have yeah. been but i i have some it, actually kevin made me aware of my anxieties like i didn't realize that's what was happening that i was ang- anxious and kevin's like dude that's fucking anxiety because he knows it yeah. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I yeah, all times it's stuff you haven't dealt with. It could be like a passing thought. You're like, oh, that's something I should have dealt with or really thought mm-hmm. through. And I didn't. I shoved it down, thought I was okay. Yeah. And so you realize your brain's re- reacting to it. Your gut's reacting to it. And you're like, okay, so I have to deal with this apparently. Like, just like stresses. Mm-hmm. Like, why am I, why is my body, why is my cortisol going up? Mm-hmm. Something I haven't dealt with. I have to yeah. deal with this. I, I can't just put it off. I can't procrastinate this. You know, why am I afraid? We're afraid because, I mean, think about the hunter-gatherers, right? I'm afraid because something's saying, be careful. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid of a snake. It's because it might be poisonous. I need to be careful. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid of jumping into a new relationship because I have to be careful, mm-hmm. right? So your body, before you even know it, locks up, puts your wall up so that you're not feeling empathy 
you have to be apathetic, right? If I have to be careful, I don't have any time for emotions. I only have time for fight or flight. Mm-hmm. Get the fuck out of there or kill something, right? Are you more of like, uh, it's a question I haven't even asked you, are you more anxious person or depressed? Because I know you, you've you've had both, but... Depends. If I'm tired, it goes right into depression. Yeah. You know, like at night, I just think about being like my grandpa, like 91 years old when he died, you know, like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to die and it's going to go into nothing. Yeah. This is all meaningless. I'm not a nihilist. It's just, you're really depressed and you're like, okay, well, this is, I'll make the best of it while I'm here. Mm-hmm. But while I'm here, I'm anxious about making enough money and supporting my family and not really in the moment a lot of the time. That's where you start thinking about future. And then, yeah, and then the anxiety, like I said, I don't, like, like the time I had, had the heart stuff, I was slow pace on a rower. My heart was barely even up. It was when I got off and I started feeling like I was starving. Like my blood sugar was fucked up. So it's like, maybe I need sugar, maybe I need a banana. It's because my blood sugar was too high. Their cortisol goes up, blood sugar goes up, right? That's why people retain fat when they're stressed. You have yeah. too much sugar in your blood. Next thing you know, I was like, I was like, I thought I was going to pass out. I was breathing so hard. Luckily, I was able to call 911. But I was like, where did that come from? I didn't know. I didn't realize how much shit I was putting off and stuffing down from having no real intimacy in my marriage and Mm -hmm. what it was actually doing to me and suppressing. And because I was trying to deal with that, let's put all my deployment stuff on the back burner. That's not a big deal. Right. Um, and so, cause I never dealt with when she was cheating on me when I was in Afghanistan, I stuffed that way down. I was like, I have to deal with my deployment stuff now, like then Mm -hmm. and not deal with this. I was like, I literally just said, here's my coping mechanism. She was young. Women do that. Mm. And I was like, it's cool. I resolved it. Just stuff that it's never going to come I back. I thought up. that was resolved. Me just saying <laughs> to myself, I thought that was resolved, you know? Yeah. They realized, oh, I never had closure on that. I never realized why do I let people do that shit to me? You know, why would I just, you know, not people, but women, you know? Because with guys, they don't get away with shit. I call people yeah. out for parking like a fucking idiot. <laughs> but when it's women, for some reason, it's like, is this a Freudian thing? Is that to do with my mother? I was going to say, it's probably, mother- you were raised by three women. Right. And I was a similar situation. I was raising yeah. my mom and my sister. Right. So it's so like... Yeah. You, yeah, let, so you let them get away with more. Which. Yeah. So the anxiety, you realize the anxiety is undealt with... And the anxiety and stress are undealt with emotions and problems. You have to sit down and deal with. And if you don't have time to sit down and deal with them because you're working 60 hours a week and taking care of three kids, mm-hmm. then you have to suppress it with alcohol and drugs. And that doesn't end well because your body adapts, or your body adapts to those. So you have to do more and more. Next thing you know, we try to quit, your serotonin, your dopamine drop, and then you're having withdrawals, panic attacks, anxiety attacks, you know, then, I mean, it's a, it's a, to a, to someone with like a PhD or master's in psychology, this is just like, they'll see it coming because mm-hmm. they're trained yeah. to see these things. We have to try to organically feel it out and see what's happening and why it's happening when they can literally just say, oh, this is, this is, you know, one-on-one shit right here, you know? Yeah, well, I think the common person isn't aware of any of that. So that's right. why they don't know what to do when shit starts spinning out of control in their life. Well, if you look at it from an anthropological, you know, study on humans or sociological study on humans and behavior, why do a lot of uneducated people that have kids very, very young get into drugs and are very young and get hooked quickly? Mm-hmm. You know, they don't even know how to process anything and they haven't been taught. They were probably left alone by themselves a lot by their parents, you know, so you can kind of quantify a lot of that shit while people behave the way they do. And of course there's always outliers because of the social environment, whether it's mm-hmm. growing up as a child star, you know, not being abused, these certain things, you know, emulate their, in their own way. But 
for the most part, you can kind of see when things are going to happen, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like for, for me, I was taught at a really early age, like you just pack it down. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to have feelings because it was almost a threat if you had a feeling Mm -hmm. in the house, you know, and then it was disciplined. And, um, and for me, I can take like physical pain. I can almost turn off and not feel it, which is crazy. But then, like, emotional pain, I feel it because mm. it was so packed down, so disciplined, um, that as an adult, I've I've needed to understand, okay, you tick this way because you were conditioned, but doesn't mean that's how you have to keep going mm-hmm. forward. Very true. You know, um, so right now, it's like at 37, I'm having to undo a lot of that that I didn't even realize existed. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't realize that there was trouble with um, alcohol in my household when I was growing up. You know, my dad was a former army and I think he always sought that like brotherhood and not having that, not having that connection drove, drove certain things. Mm-hmm. I saw him chase it until the day he passed, you know, um, and but I was raised tough. Mm hmm. You know, you're not allowed to show your feelings. You can't make eye contact. There's not a lot of like, I love yous. Mm. And for me, it's like, well, that doesn't have to continue with my kids. Exactly. You break the cycle. Yeah. And I'm to the place where it's like, okay, you have to look at these things because mm. it can't ignore them. I didn't even realize how much I was ignoring until a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, fuck, that, that's there. <laughs> and here it comes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, I feel like I'm dying, yeah. but I'm not. Um, but, you know, for like as a 12-year-old, like that was the first time I really thought about taking my life. It's like, what? Where did that come from? Mm-hmm. And it was the environment, mm-hmm. you know. And, and as an adult, it's like I can't keep... M- allowing myself to spin Mm -hmm. that way because now that i know it's there okay give me some tools to deal with it it was and the thing too is people often don't seek um they don't accept responsibility Mm -hmm. for making that a different path yeah it's back to the victim thing everybody they want to play yeah yeah see that's something that i didn't realize um like when i talk about being raised that way uh, it's just the way that I was raised. I no longer feel like it was done to me, you know, and before it was like, like everything was in victimhood. And then I, be- I became this like gross martyr, mm. you know, I'm like, who the fuck are you? Like, that's not, that's not your personality. Like you're fun, you're witty, you're smart, you're creative. Mm-hmm. And it really became like a, a big identity shift. You know, my world got really small when I stopped working um, because I had an 11 year career with Lexus and that was always like face to face with people, you know? And then, um, I stopped working to raise, um, to raise my kids and I didn't realize like I did a big identity shift then. Mm-hmm. And I see that with like former military people, you come out out of this like, um, fast paced environment and, and you're like, this is so different, you know, and that was, that was that for me when I became a stay at home mom. And then my identity became like, well, I'm a stay at home mom. And then all the social responsibilities that are put on women of what you mm-hmm. should look like. I am not that, mm. you know, um, I don't want to be that. Yeah. 
And that's okay too, you know? Yeah, but it's like just finding my pace with it. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know. It's like things like what we're doing now, just sitting here talking about your shit. It's so good for you. It's good for everybody to just get it out there and talk, even if there's a bunch of people we don't know listening to us talk about it. It's it's an important thing, I think, to, to be able, and like Kevin's gotten thousand times better about talking about his shit especially his past and even openly to people he doesn't know which didn't used to because i don't perceive being on a podcast as anybody listening yeah i don't know why i didn't until like recently i started like think about god there's fucking there's people all over the world listening to this and that's where it goes back to you know what i don't care what they think though right i'm just gonna keep talking about what i'm talking about and part of that is like my inferiority complex that's why I always did, like, for instance, if I go into a store, I imagine, like, if I walk in and there's people working right there, if you go into a car dealership or something, I honestly feel like everybody doesn't want me here, so fuck them. And I feel like there's, like, hostility. Like, people don't want me where I'm at. They don't want to listen to me talk, so why even try? And but it's also done good things, because I'm only 5'11", but I was probably the meanest motherfucker in football at our <laughs> high school. And when we wrestled, I was wrestled two weight classes. I also wrestled heavyweights because we didn't really have any. And I'd destroy them because I mean, I had that fight. Like, I'm in fear to this person, so I'm going to show them. You know what I mean? So it has its goods, too. Yeah. There's also baggage with that. Mm-hmm. Feeling like wherever you go, you're not wanted. And you're like, okay, let's go back to your mother. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> no. Damn it. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. or your dad, you know, not being, you know, you know, like when dad was around, it was you know, got a keystone in his hand and all he does, his intimacy is you're fucking everything up. You're doing everything wrong. Mm-hmm. Why are you fat right now? It's because if we're living with just mom, we're poor and eat ramen noodles and fucking cookies. That's why motherfucker, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, there's an explanation to everything, yeah. but it's trying to like be an adult and come get over that so that you can be a great person for your kids. Yeah. Because even though we want to be vulnerable around our kids, like we've all agreed. We talked about, you know, being vulnerable around them. If they're scared or fearful, you have to step up and be the best version of yourself mm-hmm. and be a very strong mentor for them so they know. Because if they have no one to believe in, they're going to be terrified. And then now what that does is they're going to go, when they go to leave for college or they're in the military, they're going to have such a bad separation anxiety, they're going to fall apart mm-hmm. because they're used to not having that strong character in front of them guiding them through things. Yeah, I let my right? kids struggle. Yeah. yeah, and that's as hard as that can be. You have oh, to. God, it's so hard. Yeah, you have to, though, sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I'm like protector. Sometimes I try to control a little too much, you know? But legitimately, I'm like, okay, you live in this house, so you're going to have responsibilities in the house. And there's going to be a little bit of struggle there. Mm-hmm. If you want something, you got to work towards it, you know? For for me, I've had to realize how much of like my stuff was like deeply rooted with self worth, mm. you know, or lack of self worth. Yeah, it's probably a better way of saying it. And now that I'm starting to find my voice, but fuck, I'm almost forty and I'm just getting there. Do you know? So I hope. But at least you're getting. I'm there. getting there, yeah. and I'm willing. You mm-hmm. know, and I feel like okay, if that's a change of attitude, it's like that's I can do that a little different. My kids can see me struggle through it i can be honest with them where i'm at mm-hmm. and then we just pivot and if i make a mistake sometimes my worst mistakes are what i like i will disappoint myself before i ever disappoint anyone else like mm. i've already in my head it's already there mm-hmm. you know usually before it ever happens um and for me it's like 
maybe I can own that a little bit more mm-hmm. and let, let that mistake like teach me a lesson um, or embrace that a little bit more or make maybe make different decisions based off of like chance. Mm-hmm. Like, it, yeah, it's scary, but it might work. Yeah. It might be better. Or like right now, it's like, would I regret not trying? And so many times it's like, fuck yes, I would. Mm-hmm. I would. I don't want to look back at that and say I really regret not giving that a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, you know, something I'm quick to do is apologize when apology needs to happen. I've learned that this last season. Like I'm going through this like thing is like, uh, I think it's like three, it's three A's. What is it? Awareness, acceptance, and action. Mm. And I know where I'm at right now. It's a shitload of awareness. <laughs> as rough as that can yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. And then acceptance is almost like a pause. And it, it it's not that everything, it, it's not that it goes like, it flows, right? Like I'm having to pause and I'm having to think and I'm having to like not force a solution with a lot of things and just be like, okay, I can try to do something different. Mm-hmm. And if I fail, I fail. That's, and it'll be I think that's right. a good, good yeah. way to look at things. Because you, you got to fail anyway. You can't do, can't do anything perfect, you yeah. know. Failure is yeah. failure self. And then as long as you're introspective, you look back on it and you're like, okay, here's how to do this better. Here's how to respond better. Here's how to learn how to respond versus react. Yeah. Like you go real deep in this rabbit hole, like, you know, but it's not bad. As long as when you're failing, you don't just continue to do the same shit. Over and over and continue to fail. You got to learn from yeah, it. Yeah, it's just butting your head. Yeah. Well, that's insanity. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that's an important thing is to like accept like, okay, I fucked up. Why did I fuck up? And how am I not going to fuck up this next time around? And yeah, move on. Well, all right, let's wrap it up with tell everybody how they can find your beautiful artwork. Um. Okay, I have. <laughs> A few ways. I don't do much on Facebook. I, there's a there is a Facebook, but I I just let Instagram naturally feed it. So mm-hmm. it's Jmart Works on Facebook, and Works is spelled with an E. Um, on Instagram, it's J M Artworks spelled with an E. Period Studio. That's usually where you can find me. I'm most active there, and then I have a website. It's just jmartworks.com with an E. With an E, because <laughs> it can't be basic. That's true. <laughs> yeah, so all of you listening, go check out her art. Cause yeah. It's oh, and there was amazing. one question. Oh, yeah, you did. That I was you did supposed a question to cover. Go for it. Um, what would I tell an artist that was like an inspiring artist or one that's struggling? Um, how would I like motivate them to keep going? And it's like, find your voice. Mm. Don't feel like you have to fit into this like puzzle piece of what you know just keep working towards finding your voice and if you get stuck you know do something different and give it a try um for my stuff if if anyone is interested in starting to paint or art message me Hmm. i'll tell them like the supplies that they need i'll you know bob ross is actually a really great reference he's the man Um, But that's how I learned how to paint and shade, you know, so there's like, there's so many references out there, but if you get stuck, I would say, just try to take a step in a different direction and don't be too hard on yourself. Perfect. All right. Well, go check out her artwork. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for making the trip. 
all the way from Texas. So much fun. Yeah. yeah. Now you're going to fall in love with Boise and want to move here. I know. I'm like, oh, God. That's what, a little homestead. That's what usually <laughs> happens when people come here, they're, especially if they've never been here and it's their first They're like, oh, my God, I love this city. And then they end up moving I here. just love there's no humidity. But actually, yeah. actually Boise's <laughs> ugly and sucks, so don't fucking move here. Not you, but everybody else. <laughs> just cool people. All the, only the cool people can move yeah. here. All right, cool. Well, All right, thank thanks. you.